the style of cruise photography has not changed in <laughs> 25 years. It's like, here's a backdrop of something. You stand in front of it. So it looks like you're standing at the deck with the ocean behind you, even though the deck with the ocean is actually just right over here. But we can't possibly go outside to do this photo. <laughs> DCL Duo fans, we want to take a minute to thank our amazing sponsors over at Touring Plans Travel. We use Touring Plans Travel to book our own fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacations and love the experience and service we get from our travel specialist at Touring Plans Travel and know you will too. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation, Disney vacation, or really any cruise or land-based vacation, head over to touringplans.com travel for a free quote. Let them know that the DCL Duo sent you to help support our show, but we're confident that you are going to have the same great experience that we do when we use Touring Plans Travel. So thanks Touring Plans Travel for sponsoring the show and now on to our episode. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of the DCL Duo podcast. And this evening, we are excited. We had some folks reach out to us who are interested in our podcast, and they are travel writers and have a travel writing blog. They're Disney enthusiasts and Disney Cruise Line enthusiasts as well. And so after hearing their background, we thought it'd be fabulous to have them on. And so I want to welcome Mikhail and Dan to our show. Welcome, Mikhail and Dan. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're really excited to chat with you guys. You guys have a ton of experience. Yeah, I feel like I feel like my intro is selling them short based on the email that they sent to us <laughs> with their Disney backgrounds, photography, travel writing. Mikhail even worked in Imagineering, which we might get into uh, on the uh, bonus episode this week. So there is lots to unpack here. But why don't we start where we always start, which is with our guests' Disney backgrounds. So why don't we start with Dan? What is your Disney background? So my Disney background is really understanding it as a company and understanding the products they, they put out. But uh, I had never visited the parks until Mikel and I started dating. And it opened up a new experience. Like I, conceptually, I knew what it was all about. But to really experience it was it was brought to life at that point. Long story short, not much of a Disney background until I was in my 40s. <laughs> well, and from the email that Mikhail sent, it sounds like she needed to test your enthusiasm for Disney shortly after you guys got uh, got married, I think. So, Mikhail. <laughs> well, we were dating pre-marriage, just to make sure. Uh, just to make sure, yeah. Well, you know, and, and it sounds like, Dan, you're in marketing branding for work. Is that right? Yeah, I own my own brand strategy company. So approaching it from that point of view of just like, how, how do you bring a brand to life? And Disney does it absolutely the best. So see, our home is filled with Disney branding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They are killing it. Uh, they are killing it. Well, Mikhail, you had quite the extensive background or Disney background, I should say. Do you want to let folks know about your background? Yeah, sure. So I actually, I grew up on Long Island like Sam and didn't grow up going to the parks or anything that much. Just maybe like once or twice as a kid because we had family in Winter Park. You know, if anybody's familiar with Orlando, it's like 30 minutes from the park. So I think we kind of went when we would go see them. 
I just had a deep love for Disney because, you know, all Disney programming on TV will do that to a kid. (laughs) I always loved themed entertainment or puppetry, like whether it was Fraggle Rock (laughs) or, you know, Muppet Babies (laughs) or like anything, right? I guess Jim Henson, but since they own some of that. So all that stuff. And then my bat mitzvah theme was Disney. It was all animated (laughs) Disney characters for their centerpieces. And like there was a whole family fair were really artistic. So we all worked on those. And my grandfather sketched them and blew them up on foam core. And then we cut them out and all that stuff. I went to Disney World with my sister's cheerleading team. My mother was a chaperone. And that was when I was in middle school. And then in high school, I remember going once with my best friend, who's actually a Disney travel agent now, which is just a coincidence. And then I ended up very short story of a longer version, but entered a competition called Imaginations for Walt Disney Imagineering when I was in college. And I placed really well and uh, ended up moving there in the beginning of 2006 to intern with Walt Disney Imagineering. And then I stayed in Orlando for five years. And of course, the greatest thing about being able to go to the park whenever you want is that you you could jump in for two hours and then leave and not feel like you're wasting an entire park ticket. So I got to know the parks really well. And living in Orlando was a dream to me. I have the best memories. I still hold on to my 407 area code on my cell phone. <laughs> if anybody knows the phone number for Walt Disney World, it's 407WDisney. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, no matter where I've gone, I really very much fondly hold on to both my friends and experiences from Orlando. So when Dan and I started dating and he hadn't been to Walt Disney World, I was very open and welcoming to him regardless <laughs> and knew he would have to go as soon as possible. <laughs> it's sort of the litmus test, right? Like, does he, exactly. uh, does, he does he appreciate it? Because if he doesn't, he's not going to last. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You also have some extensive experience with the cruise line in various capacities because we'll get into talking about your wedding photography a little bit too, Mikhail. But what has been your experience with Disney Cruise Line? Which ships have you been on and tenor and and that sort of thing, Mikhail. Yeah, it's not that varied and exciting. I've basically been on all Eastern Caribbeans because of my wedding photography experience and um, living in Orlando and being able to, at the time when I had a full-time job and work for somebody else, hop on, you know, shorter itineraries. Um, But the dream and the magic, I'm very much aching to go on the fantasy. But the Disney dream is the one that I'm probably most familiar with. And Dan was on that three-day with me, which felt like a hot minute for several reasons. But it went by really quick. My first Disney cruise was actually when I was interning at Disney. I went with two other Disney Imagineering interns. So three of us split a room and got like a last minute cast member rate. We thought, all right, we'll try this. And it was great. But I think it was... It was definitely not more than a four day and it stopped in Atlanta or we'd stopped at Nassau and we decided to do like the Atlantis excursion to see the aquariums and everything there and Castaway Key and maybe it did a day at sea and went back to Port Canaveral. I can't even remember. feels like a lifetime ago, but (laughs) um, you know, like I, I just feel so strongly about Disney Cruise Line. Obviously we're in good company, but I think that their cast members on the ship are just way more magical than most of the people I encounter in the parks these days, which is bittersweet. And the ships are just pristine and amazing. And I feel very good about Disney Cruise Line. It sounds like most of the weddings that you've done have been on the dream and that probably most people choose to sail out of Port Canaveral for those wedding cruises because they can do the Castaway Key stop and they can either get married on the ship in the Caribbean or they can get married at Castaway Key. 
Yeah, and I'm contacted for a lot more weddings than I end up shooting on Disney Cruise Line. That sounds like a good problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, it's a very interesting separate wedding world, I guess. But most people, when they're considering their family and friends coming, most of who probably have never been on a cruise or never you know, forked out that kind of money for a cruise for a very short amount of time, they usually pick a three or four days so that their family and friends can even afford to consider coming. So it's usually that for those reasons. And yes, because they want to go to Walt Disney World or they'll do, you know, a honeymoon right after at Walt Disney World or they'll just do a back-to-back sailing and stay, quote unquote, stay on the ship kind of thing. Like where the, where the whole wedding party is coming on for three or four night and then the couple is going to stay on for another four nights after or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about the your wedding photography experience for a bit since we're already there. What is that like working the weddings on board the ship? And how did you, I mean, how did you get into that? So I got into wedding photography when I was living in Orlando and I, this is funny. I used to scrapbook. I saw these like amazing photos and layouts that people did. And I was like, I want a better camera. I lived in Orlando from 2006 to 2010. So this is like a year or two before the iPhone came out. So taking photos on your phone was like not a thing. I got a DSLR, long story short. And then I started taking photos with my DSLR and manual. I still remember when my friend said, oh my gosh, you haven't taken your camera out of the box from Ritz Camera in Orlando that I purchased it at. And uh, I said, I'm just really intimidated. <laughs> and he's like, we're going to go to celebration one day. We're just going to walk around celebration. And he taught me how to like use it on manual. And ever since then, I, I pretty much 100% of the time always have my DSLR on manual. And I got into wedding photography because I, when I was little, I used to always watch Disney fairy tale weddings on Lifetime. <laughs> I also grew up loving Father of the Bride. It's like my movie with my dad. I like it was like, oh, how great would that be to do Disney fairy tale weddings? And um I ended up taking all the project photos for I worked at Universal Creative from 2008 to 2010 approximately. And I took all the progress photos of the project we were working on. So I was using my camera more and more. I was like the only person out there with a camera shooting. And then they put me in charge of that officially. And uh, at the same time, I was photographing weddings on the weekends and second shooting with people and learning how to do that. It kind of just like flowed along naturally. And then I always blogged my scrapbooking stuff. So I was a blogger early on. And then I just started blogging weddings. And um, people were finding me through Disney Cruise Line bride forums. And I had a private group that I was a part of. And anyway, just through word of mouth recommendation, somebody hired me to shoot their wedding in 2011. Probably actually on the Disney Dream. If were, I had were you photographing like Disney Parks weddings before you started photographing Disney Cruise Line weddings? No. Oh, interesting. Um, and I've only done two Disney, two or three Disney World weddings. But that was after my first wedding on Disney Cruise Line. And now looking back, I actually don't post photos of that first Disney Cruise Line wedding anywhere because my style is just so different. And it wouldn't be a good representation of the style that I do now. But shooting a Disney Cruise Line wedding is different 
because obviously you're on a cruise, but besides that, for any photographers, like shooting on a beach is very different. Shooting in full sun with the wind, it usually rains at some point on Cast Wiki. (laughs) 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 Dealing with that. The ship interior lighting is actually pretty harsh. It's not harsh in the cabins. It's harsh in like the atrium and a lot of the restaurants, which you would never notice unless you were shooting a wedding. You probably wouldn't even notice it unless you were shooting, like if you were shooting like your dinner plate or anything either. If you're going to take photos on the on the ship after the wedding and most, most people want to including the photographer the lighting's like really different in every space you go to it's really interesting you're dealing with real people there who are trying to enjoy their vacation yeah. right. <laughs> right so you don't just have the wedding guests you have the rest exactly. of the ship yeah yeah to contend so with. it's a lot of fun but it's also a lot of work and it's not just a lot of work on the ship it's a lot of work off the ship so it's been a really great experience it's helped me learn and grow as a photographer I see people ask, you know, pros and cons of bringing their wedding uh, wedding photographer along. I have a blog post a lot of people find me through very extensively outlining it. And it's also a big financial decision for couples because a lot of the appeal of Disney Cruise Line weddings for couples, which I understand firsthand, is that it's, you know, one package basically. Like not a lot of variables. So it's going to cost them the cruise plus what the wedding is. Like, let's say it's about $5,000, which is what it usually is. And I know you've had carry on Lurky Lou, um, who extensively talks about the costs and the variables too. But bringing a photographer along could double that. So it's like going from $5,000 to $8,000 or $10,000 because they have to pay for us to be on the cruise and then they have to pay for the service. And you know, you could find somebody who will go for free. It's usually like a newer photographer that was me in 2011. But anybody who does it full time will not do it for free after the first time they do that. And they shouldn't. <laughs> um, right, and the, the first time they might do it just to start their portfolio to be able to say, I've done a Disney Cruise Line wedding. And so hire me, f- you know, market themselves, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's good. Like you should, you should understand what to expect. There's just like a lot of variables. So I, when I get contacted now, people like that I've been on it and there is value in that because there's just a lot that could happen that you need to know about. And it also behind the scenes functions differently than Disney fairy tale weddings for like a third party photographer to come. There is no contract. And for Disney world weddings, there is a contract that I have to sign. So it, it works differently behind the scenes. And anybody who has people that work at the cruise line versus, you know, Walt Disney World or the parks and resorts. It's totally different division. I don't know what it looks like under, you know, Disney's umbrella financially or how that works, but I do know that it's separate because I I see that just in the way that they deal with third-party vendors. If you care about your wedding pictures, to me, it's something you actually research quite a bit and maybe even more so than a lot of the other aspects of your wedding. And also, it's a reason a lot of people want to bring their photographer along because on Disney Cruise Line, they're pretty much using shutters and that's Disney's own third-party vendor. And they don't like that they don't know who's going to be their photographer and they don't want that uncertainty because the photos are the only thing that lasts. So if they can financially swing it, they'll consider bringing somebody which of course I'm biased, but like I couldn't agree with more. And Dan works with photographers all the time for marketing. So, and then everybody's level of what they want is a little, little different. Sometimes they're doing a dinner at Remy or Apollo and they want like some of that photograph. Sometimes they just want like casually the couple that we were on the cruise in May of 2019. They just, we just happened to have run into them at the fireworks. And I was like, oh, if you guys stand in front of us, like I'll get you watching the fireworks. I think people don't realize a lot of things. And that's why I like working with an expert is good. Like I've had people say they want the fireworks photographed and they have like this 
this Vogue shoot in mind kind of thing, but like <laughs> they've never been on the cruise. It's actually very common that people getting married on Disney Cruise Line have actually never been on the cruise. It will be their first time. So they think like Walt Disney World, fireworks, Disneyland, fireworks. And it's, you know, the, the fireworks on the ship are good, but they're not even close to what it is at the parks. They can't watch the fireworks if their face is towards the camera because then I can't get the fireworks behind them. So, <laughs> you know, I think I help them think through a lot of things that they wouldn't have thought of because they haven't been on the cruise or because they've only watched it as guests on the ship, not from the logistical standpoint of it. So, what, Dan, what did you think about being a guest and watching kind of the photography aspect unfold? But ultimately, you have to be comfortable with being photographed with 500 of your closest friends uh, being right next to you at all times. And, <laughs> New friends. <laughs> and, and just being okay with that and uh, understanding that Instagram shot or what you're, what you're thinking of reality is, is going to take work. And it's, it, it has to be staged and it has to be planned. It's not a spontaneous thing. Mm-hmm. Dan, I'm curious what it's like for you sailing on these cruises with Mikhail working a wedding, but you guys may not actually be part of the wedding. Does that make sense? <laughs> is that make an awkward vacation for you or is it still fun? <laughs> uh, no, it's still fun. It's pretty much choose your own adventure. So there's always something to do. There's always something to explore. I mean, it's it, especially me being on for the first time. It was during the ceremony. I just was uh, left to my own, left on my own to really fend for myself. So. Going to Castaway Key, going to the beach, you know, grabbing a beer there and then kind of meandering back and just taking my time and enjoying the amenities and just the the, the overall experience. So I, I'm, I'm an only child, so I'm perfectly fine being by myself and um, I can, I can entertain kindred spirits, myself. Kindred spirits, Dan. Yeah. I'm an only child too. And I, I love to sit by satellite falls with a book. And if no one bothered me for four hours, I would be perfectly happy. So yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So it's you know, there's always there's always something to do and there's always something to explore and find. Mikhail, I'm curious, what's the most difficult spot to get a photo, or what's been the hardest photo you've had to take for for a wedding? It's hard at different points of the day and in different spots for different reasons. But I will say that doing a wedding recently versus when I was first starting out is wildly different because my experience is just wildly different now. So whereas like years ago, I might have said shooting on the beach is really hard because it's full sun and windy and all that jazz. I don't mind it now. I'm I'm great with beach weddings. I'm used to it a lot. It's hard when like it's really windy in the Caribbean as it is a lot of the time and like the bride's hair is flying around and <laughs> <laughs> like things people don't think of on the ship. I think the the lighting in the atrium is a little difficult and challenging. And then also the only reason it's hard to shoot on the decks where the stacks are and everything is because it's usually really sunny at that point because the bride and groom or the couple you know, bride and bride, groom and groom is in, you know, their wedding outfit and they <laughs> are hungry at this point. And we're not going to break for lunch and then come back. Like when, if they did that, we'd lose them, right? They'd be like, no, I want to be with my guests, like, you know, over this. And especially for brides, they're not going to do their hair and makeup again. So it's really just like getting through that last hour. So normally, like if it's cast away, we'll go back on the ship to the champagne and the cake cutting and all that jazz and then take photos of the couple around the ship after and then their guests can go enjoy the ship and have fun and whatnot while they're taking photos. But they're getting tired and hungry too like cake and a glass of champagne is pretty much not holding them over and it's sunny and it's, you know, so it's challenging because you're dealing with, you have to be sensitive to everybody's level of comfort in those regards. 
I'd, I'd love to ask what you think of the photographers at through shutters. And I don't necessarily mean for weddings. I, I actually am curious to hear from a photographer who's been on a bunch of cruises, what you think of them. And I don't mean for weddings. because I think weddings are a different animal in the sense that like you've got somebody who's who's taking you all over the ship and or all over Castaway Key and taking pictures of just you guys. But the setup of the shutters photographers, you know, in general around the ship for the other Yes, for the non-wedding participants. I'm curious as to what you... Th- we we have typically gotten the photography package, digital photos for, I think, almost every cruise we've been on. And well, and in fact, our our podcast artwork is yeah, from is Shutters. Actually, one of our pictures. <laughs> yeah. Looks familiar. What, yeah. what does the package include when you get that? It's all Just of your all digital. Just all the photos. Yeah. yeah. All the photos all digitally. Yep. Yeah. Do you mind me asking what they charge for that? I'm guessing it's a couple hundred dollars at least. Yeah. Oh, it's several hundred dollars. I would say it's somewhere between $250 and $350. It must vary depending on the length of the ship or length of the sailing. Oh, sure. Yeah. We're willing to shell out the money for the photo package in part because you know, it gets us family photos, right? And we end up using those family photos for like our Christmas card at the end of the year. For Disney Cruise Line, Mikhail, it's the site I'm seeing is about for the all all digital photo package. It's somewhere between call it two hundred and three hundred dollars, depending on the length of your cruise. I would say that's worth every penny. Yeah, yeah. If you get enough photos, for sure. If you're willing to to wait in the lines for the photos, if, you know, in front of the character in the atrium, maybe a few of the. We don't do every backdrop photo. We're not huge fans of most of the backdrops. Most of them, well, to I me would look say the pretty fake. The difference is well, the difference is, and I'd love Mikhail's opinion on this. The difference is, I think, between having a photographer or someone in your family who is sort of trained in photography versus what you get on Disney Cruise Line is it's the style of cruise photography has not changed in <laughs> 25 years. It's like here's a backdrop of something. You stand in front of it. So it looks like you're standing at the deck with the ocean behind you, even though the deck with the ocean is actually just right over here. But we can't possibly go outside to do this photo. So <laughs> we're going to do it with this fake looking backdrop and we're going to pose you like you're at prom and get your photo, right? Like, like that's the, that's, I mean, even the photo we have for our photo art for our podcast it's was funny. like a yeah. white, white sheet. And it was like, okay, can you guys get down on the ground? And I'm like, we're in suits and dresses for dinner and you want us to roll around on the floor? Okay, fine. But it's, it's very like prom photo package, not, not the uh, candid photography that I think people really like or the, posed yet candid style photography that people like on Instagram. So I, I don't know, Mikhail, what's your what's your thought on the, the shutters folks and the, the photography on board? I feel really good about anybody having an option to have professional photos taken of themselves. I, you know, similar to a wedding, you're dressed up. It's a special occasion. It's probably 99.9% of the time if not more, it's a joyous occasion. <laughs> and if you have the option to have professional photos taken of yourself, I think that's really special. So I think it's a great option. I think for people that can't afford to bring their own photographer on the ship, thank goodness that exists and they can get that service. And I think that the way that they you know, work it with the packages they offer people, I agree with you that the roll down backdrop is a little... <laughs> like love boat. <laughs> yeah. But it's nice they have it. You know, and we Dan and I bypass all that stuff because Dan's a saint with like being in photos. Our our website, um, <laughs> we have two 
websites, sometimes home and sometimes sailing. And he is amazing with being in photos for that. We're never going to be like the Instagram influencers. We say we have influence, but we are not influencers. Like we're more (laughs) so like arms around each other facing the camera. Like it's, you know, 2010 (laughs) and smile at the camera, not like me twirling with my dress and, you know, coordinated Mickey Mouse ears while Dan, like, you know, Instagram husbands it up. But yeah, I, I, I think shutters is an amazing option. I'm I'm glad they exist. And I think that they do a great service for things like that. I I think the one place where they really shine on Disney cruise lines with the character photos, just, just because it, it takes the thinking out of it. Everyone can participate. They start taking the picture as soon as you start walking up to the character, like they're grabbing all the candid shots of your kid getting hugged by Mickey, you know, all that sort of stuff. They're there and ready to go and you don't have to think about it. So I, I do think it's great for those kinds of those kinds of shots. But since you mentioned your blog, Mikhail, I know Sam started to ask a question at the beginning of the show. And we sidetracked down the photography hole, which has left, left Dan fairly quiet over there. So I want to bring everybody back <laughs> into the show. I want to shift over to your travel blog. Uh, you actually have two. You have Sometimes Home, which I think is for more general travel that uh, you and Dan are doing. And then you've, you've started of at all times in August of 2020, Sometimes Sailing about your cruising experience, both ocean and river. And so what made you decide? You said you'd start blogging early as a photographer, but what got you into blogging? And Dan, how do you... You mentioned you're in like brand management. So like, how do you feel or how do you, how do you work with building a brand around, around these blogs? Sure. Like overall from a, from a brand standpoint and what, what I bring to the, to the partnership and as far as bringing the blogs, blogs to life is it's all about that consistency. It's all about having our single point of view on things. So luckily the point of view of the blog is our point of view. So it's pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you can maintain a consistent point of view between the two of you because Sam and I. Uh, (laughs) There's at least three points of view between Brian and I. (laughs) Yeah, the right one, the wrong one and mine. So (laughs) It's it's easy to to jump in and be able to say like, this isn't us. This isn't genuine to what we like or what we stand for, what we believe in. So that's just an extension of that to the brand. And as we're building out things or or accepting travel or working with destinations, it's, it makes that, that, that litmus test becomes pretty easy because we know exactly what we stand for. Yeah. Am I getting it right that the sometimes home is really sort of more general travel blogging and sometimes sailing is about your cruise experience? Yeah. So sometimes home started because I was traveling a lot for weddings. I shoot weddings all over the world. I was extending my trips to tour the city I was in and I would blog about it on my wedding photography website. And then I worried that people were going to be confused. (laughs) Is she a photographer? Is she a traveler? What's going on here? It was kind of taking over. And I decided at the same time I was learning more about SEO and that if I cross-linked the blogs, it would help. That was years ago. So SEO has changed a bit too, even though that still helps. But I would tell people where I was going because they would they knew I would travel a lot and they would say, where are you now? Where are you going? What's your schedule? And then they would say, after I told them my schedule, they would say, are you ever home? And I'd say, I'm sometimes <laughs> home. So when I was thinking of starting a separate website, really to help my wedding photography website with SEO and backlinks, I thought, oh my God, sometimes home. And I looked up everything and it was available. 
this was like in 2015, right before Dan and I met. And I purchased it all just to have it. And I claimed all the social media and then kind of wrote like a few blog posts that like when I look back a couple of years ago, I had to wipe the blog posts because they were just not formatted right for professional blogging. And um, when Dan and I met, it became kind of our thing. And then I asked him if he wanted to officially be a part of it when I saw that we were going to get married. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're not sharing it until that ring is on the finger. <laughs> yeah, will, you mean, I, will you write a blog with me? Is that how? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first ask you gotta, if you, you wanted protect, to be committed. You got to protect the IP. Like, that's yeah. right. First That's right. A hundred percent. So then it became our thing. And then, you know, I've since like, I remember writing blog posts and I would say my partner, Dan, and now it's just Dan and I, cause it's ours. You know, I do most of the writing. I would say I do a hundred percent of the writing on the, on the blog. Then when we were like everybody else working on our businesses, not actually traveling last year, we thought about starting a niche travel site because it was like the hot thing to do. And we didn't want to do it just to do it. So for months we decided it wasn't for us. And then we were sitting at our apartment on our balcony having dinner one day. And I said, if we were going to start a niche blog, what would we do it on? And we had the conversation and decided we both loved small format cruising and cruising in general, and that it was a really natural fit for us. We like that world and we like the people and we like the industry. And it's, you know, like people are Disney World fans and Disneyland fans and, you know, whatever international parks and such and just of the Disney brand. But Disney Cruise Line fans and cruise fans in general are a totally different animal and very strong community. And we felt a part of that community and we really loved the experiences and we thought that it was a really good fit for us. So not just to start a niche site, just to start one, but it just clicked. And then we like the alliteration of sometimes sailing. A lot of people think that we're sailors. It's not that we don't love a sailboat. We cannot captain a sailboat ourselves. <laughs> we, we use the term sailing as if we're going on a sailing. <laughs> So we write about adventures on the world's waterways, whether it's river cruises or, um, you know, cruises on bigger ships. We're trying to focus a little more on small format cruises and just kind of being responsible. We want to make sustainability a part of it, whether that means kind of advancements on cruise ships with technology or that means, you know, sustainable fishing. And we like to say gifts from the ocean because that's really important to us too. So it's been great. I mean, is it getting a ton of traction right now? It's getting like more than we thought it would, but not, you know, a ton of traffic, but we didn't do it for a quick win. We're doing it for the long run and because we really love it. So it's been nice to have a home for those kind of topics. Yeah. Well, they're both beautiful websites. I mean, just visually stunning. I'm, I'm assuming that the pictures on the sites are, are your pictures, but they're, they're really just stunning shots. Honestly. Thank you. A lot of the cruises, because we haven't been on all the cruises we write about, will say photos courtesy of, you know, the cruise line if they've given us those. But on Sometimes Home, it's pretty much a hundred percent our photos. Um, I'm very obviously I'm a stickler for photo credit. So if it's not our photo, it always says it. And sometimes sailing is a lot of media, but a lot of our photo too. Photos too. 
Well, with all your cruising experience, you've been on both ocean and river cruises from what I can tell from the site. And you mentioned sort of trying to target the smaller ship cruising. You know, what's your favorite kind of cruising? You've been on a lot of Disney cruises, but but what's your favorite kind of cruising? Do you like being on the big ocean going ships or you really have a preference for the smaller ships? They're so different. There's, yeah. They're just like night and day. Maybe it depends what kind of mood I'm in. We also write about adult-only travel without kids, so that's an interesting perspective too. I feel very strongly that people can have- Big fans, big fans. Yeah, (laughs) that people can have an amazing time on Disney Cruise Line without kids. We've never been on Disney Cruise Line with kids like of our own, not even with like family, not even with nieces and nephews that are our own. And there's, you know, we're preaching in the choir, but so many amazing adult-only areas that we're so grateful for, even on Castaway. Dan enjoyed Castaway in the adult-only areas yeah. when I was shooting the wedding. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The, uh, the Serenity Bay is probably the best part of Castaway Key. <laughs> if you can travel without kids or your kids are willing to go to the kids club on Castaway Key, I definitely highly, highly recommend spending some quiet time at Serenity Bay. The beach is not as big as the family beaches area, but it is just a a completely different experience. (laughs) Also, if somebody thinks they get seasick, I think that's like another thing to consider. Think saying like, if you've never been on a bigger ship, you don't really know until you go on it. But we actually did with Dan a river cruise and then went on a bigger ship. So what do you think of going from the small to the big ship? (laughs) I definitely enjoyed the the smaller cruises just because you're going to go to those ports and those places that you can't get to. Or you can get to, but it, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't fly somewhere to, to visit a small town in, in Amsterdam. And it, you just happen to, to go there and you experience some, somewhere that is so off the beaten path, but yet so full of little treasures and interesting things to learn about and see while you're there. So I, I would say for me, the, the smaller formats are more appealing just because of the, the, the little serendipitous treasures that are out there. Yeah, and the ports and less people, less population and more, we love Europe. So more European charm in a lot of those places. And, you know, I think you really have to know what you like for entertainment. We're totally cool to have a nice dinner and a drink and then go to bed and wake up early in the morning and get to the port and, you know, get off ship. So we don't need like gambling or a rock climbing wall or, you know, surf rider or anything. Um, right. Or Broadway quality show. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. which I love to, you know, I totally love if we're on the ship and uh, I'm not going to miss that, but like I'm going to attend, make sure I go to one of the shows, but we don't miss it when we're on a small cruise. It's just it's totally different. You know, they say there's a cruise for everybody. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. If somebody says they don't like cruising, I would challenge that they just haven't found the right cruise for them. We're going on a main Windjammer cruise in June. And we're excited for that experience too. That'll be totally different. There's 26 people on the sailboat. It's about 90 feet, I think. So that'll be a cool experience too. Yeah. I mean, what we've learned from guests, I think to your point is large ship cruising, the destination is tends to be the ship and the activities on board the ship and the ports themselves are add-ons. And in fact, there are some ports you stop in like Nassau, which we've said repeatedly, <laughs> where we treat like a sea day. We're not really interested in anything going on in Nassau. And so we stay on the ship. The ship itself has enough activity on it that we don't have to get off. But I think the small ship cruising puts you into ports you can't get into easily. And also the destination is the port. The ship doesn't have the same level of amenities on it that a large cruise liner would. Although I'd say that's changing. That's changing quite a bit in this in this space. Um, 
as more sort of luxury small ship cruise uh, lines come on board. But yeah. But I also think on the, the small ship cruising, it seems like the food is also a part of the destination, right? So I think Brian's right that on the larger ship cruising, the cruise ship is more the destination than the ports. Although, you know, there might be some ports like Castaway Key that are a destination, an important destination to some passengers. But I think on the smaller ships, yeah, it's more about the ports. It's more about where you're going with one exception, which is the food, because we hear amazing things about some of these smaller ships. Uh, about the, the sort of the level of fine dining. But I also think they skew, you know, demographically, right? And um, the smaller ships, you're going to see a lot less families. And if you do see families, they're going to be with older kids, not with young kids. A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree about that. And the, the food's always a perk to me. Um, <laughs> but Dan and I are foodies, so we love that. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is you feel like a little worse ordering multiple things on a river cruise. Like you don't feel as bad on Disney Cruise Line where you're like, I can't decide between these two entrees and these three appetizers. And they're like, we'll bring you all of them. <laughs> and it it's, it's not that they wouldn't accommodate you on a smaller ship. They just, you know, you feel bad because like you're like, I saw the guy making that this morning in the galley because we did the galley tour and <laughs> like all that stuff. But yeah, it, and you're right. I totally agree. It's like the ship's a destination on a Nassau day. I know, like, hate for NASA, but I think once you go once or twice, you're like, okay, maybe getting off for an hour and then going back on, and it's the best time to be on the ship because most people are off. And my favorite days are days at sea. So <laughs> I think that's, right, like, pretty common when you're on a bigger ship. And then also, like, going back to the motion sickness thing, the river cruises, there's not motion of the ocean, like, on a river. <laughs> so you just hope that the river's high enough that your ship can actually cross through where it needs to go. Whereas on an ocean ship, you know, you have to be sensitive to that and, and have Dramamine if you need or, you know, whatever prescription. But you don't really need that on a river cruise. So it's a great option if people have, like, severe motion sickness. That's a really good point. I hadn't even thought about that, that most of the, well, all the rivers in Europe are, are going to be quite calm. So you're not really going to have to worry about that factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have reached that point in our show when we're going to throw it over to Sam for her favorite portion, which is rapid fire. So Sam, you want to take on rapid fire? Absolutely. All right. Well, you guys have listened to the show before, so I will just repeat the rule of rapid fire, which is there are no rules to rapid fire. <laughs> these are just your favorites. And these will be, uh, they'll start out a little bit general Disney focused, and then we'll move to um, Disney Cruise Line focused. So what is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? Dan, let's start with you. Donald Duck. Nice. <laughs> is that because he doesn't wear a shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, Dan, see, we're we are becoming we're just becoming best friends. Yeah, yeah. I, Donald Duck is my spirit animal. Yes. So yes. Well, and he does wear a shirt. He just doesn't wear pants. Oh, right. I always get that. Wait, <laughs> and then Winnie Mickey's the opposite. Thank you. Right. Yeah. I, right. Mickey and Winnie the Pooh. I always mix it up. Darn it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I should be better about that. I have to say, the rapid fire part of your podcast is one of my favorite. So. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikkel, yeah. who is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? I love Stitch. You know, he's just a lovable sort of kind of a villain, actually, even though he's not really pegged <laughs> as a villain a lot of the time. And I have a particular fondness for Pocahontas because I like Native Americans, even though I know they kind of like, you know, really 
sexualize the character a little bit, but I still have a soft spot in my heart for her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I think Stitch is an anti-hero, so we can talk about that more offline, but um, I think he's (laughs) he's like Wanda in WandaVision. So Um, I know we need to watch that. I'm like not listening to that episode of your podcast because I have to... Dan and I decided it would be like our new show when we finished one or two that we're watching now. So we can't listen to that episode of your podcast yet. I just have to say, you heard here first. This is the comparison of Wanda to Stitch. (laughs) We are going to have to do an entire episode on that at some point. (laughs) All right. That is not a comparison. Many Those are two names people did not speak in the same sentence until (laughs) right now. We're going to wait until Mikkel and Dan watch WandaVision and then we're going to have them back to talk (laughs) about this. Yes. <laughs> All right. Your favorite Disney or Pixar movie. And Mikkel, we'll start with you this time. I love Up. Dan and I watched it recently. And I mean, I cry within the first 10 yes. minutes every time. And then I just ball at the end again. And <laughs> I just, I know what happens and I can't help it. Up, up is amazing. Oh, and also Wally. I'm obsessed with Wally. Was that yours? Did I take what you were going to say? Dan's yeah, it, I was, was going to say Wally just because we watch it during the pandemic and then. Shortly after we got an air fryer and we named it Eva because it just looks like it's Eva. Got the digital buttons and she makes like a noise like she's like shooting up to the sky and yeah we Wait, have, do you have a, do you have a Roomba somewhere named Wally? <laughs> That's our next purchase. Yeah, I mean, that should be your next pandemic purchase. I love it. Okay, favorite Disney song, Dan. We're gonna start with you. Wow. Uh, like, does Dan even know yeah, any Disney songs? I almost said Over the Rainbow, but I think that's not... Wizard of Oz? <laughs> no, nope, not Disney. Guess, though. <laughs> uh, probably Small World, just because oh, like, yeah. once, you, once you're in there, uh, it's like, you know it, right? It's ingrained <laughs> forever. Yeah. You're singing that in Yiddish by the time you get out. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, oh, Mikhail? Favorite it. Disney song? Oh my song? gosh, there's so many. I, I like Hakuna Matata, but only in the context of Frill Her Magic. <laughs> when like that that op- that opens with the kind of like 2D 3D effect in the 3D show if anybody listening hasn't been it's like a 3D glasses movie experience with sense and and all sorts of amazing elements i just think that that was like a really good um reimagining if i can use that word of of a show and when hakuna matata comes hakuna matata comes on it's like not my favorite song in general but there's something about the context it's, it's used in that when you ask me that question like that's what i think first nice it's fun yeah all right favorite disney cruise line ship i'm actually gonna go rogue i'm gonna say my favorite ship is one i haven't been on yet because i'm dying to go on the fantasy <laughs> so let's call it the fantasy and dan's can be the dream because you've only been on the dream all right favorite disney cruise line port castaway yeah castaway that's why i think that's just why somebody should a big reason why somebody should sail with disney to go to castaway key i think we need to amend our question going forward sam to just be favorite cruise line port other than castaway (laughs) (laughs) no no i don't i disagree because we've actually had a couple of people answer with different answers they're usually they usually pick like a european port or something like that yeah but if you hmm. prompt them with castaway they'd be like oh no 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 yeah so sorry well, i forgot no, just, just get yeah, and, and, some, and some folks really love like san juan or you know not one of the other yeah ports well maybe we should just rephrase the question to be what is your favorite port and why is it castaway key so, yeah, yeah exactly i like that all right favorite onboard food we'll start with you Mikkel. 
I like I like a coffee at at Cove Cafe. Oh yeah, they have some great coffee. What about you, Dan? I, I have to admit, getting soft serve ice cream by the pool was awesome. Whoa, yeah, good one. That's a really good one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that any day. Favorite part of the ship, Dan? Let's start with you. I enjoyed the pools. Not that I'm a big pool guy, but it was just like the atmosphere that was happening there and just to be able to relax and find a little oasis in the middle of it. And I'm going to guess you're you're hanging out in the adults-only area of the pools. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mikkel, what's your favorite part of the ship? I love the atrium because of all of the adult hidden Mickeys that like kids might not find right away, just in like some of the designs, even if it's just circles that are in a lock, obviously. But I also love our stateroom because we always get a veranda so we can open the door and have the breeze come in. And to me, there's nothing like an afternoon nap on a cruise ship with the door open. I oh, love it. Yeah. Favorite onboard activity. Mikkel, we'll start with you. Eating. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. And I'm not like an, I'm not an advocate for buffets. I actually think they're like the downfall of society. <laughs> so I'm not, even like pre-pandemic, I'm not. I just like a nice seated dinner with good ingredients and innovative ways of making things and great service. And I just love a good dining experience overall. Absolutely. Dan, what about you? Favorite onboard activity? I'm going to have to say the same. Uh, part of that is it, it's good food, but then it's an experience too. So it's not only dinner. You know, the, the servers are great and just the interaction is is top notch. Uh, given the answer to that question, I'm, I'm going to alter one of my next questions and ask Remy versus Paolo versus main dining. I would head to Paolo because... I, I love a carbohydrate. So Paolo, like a handmade pasta just has my soul. I will say also, we always request a table for two, which is not because we're antisocial, but it's part of the experience for us. We just, you know, like I'm having date night for every meal. So we don't sit at like big tables in the main dining with people, but you know, it's loud and there's a million dishes clanging and there's a lot of families and all that stuff. And I like the theming of so many of the dining experiences and the main dining, but I love a carb and I love a handmade pasta. We like like a beef carpaccio kind of thing too. So I'm going to go Paolo, but I have a feeling I know Dan's answer. Yeah, I'm definitely going Remy. <laughs> You're going seven courses, wine pairings too? Yes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, French. if you're, you're going to do it, you must exactly. do it. Exactly. <laughs> now, are you going French menu or American menu? Or are you choosing from both column A and B? French. All the yeah. butter. <laughs> this reminds me, though, Mikhail, that you had a fantastic... So Dan's going Remy with wine pairings, and I want to understand how that's going to work with the seasickness medicine that you were feeding <laughs> on the cruise that oh, you guys yeah. took. Oh, yeah, because I drugged him accidentally. That's yeah, true, actually. I think we need to tell that story because I yeah. was intrigued. So <laughs> you were drugging your husband. How did that happen? <laughs> it's funny now. Um, <laughs> and we were engaged at the time, about to get married two weeks later. He was feeling queasy when the ship left the port. Like he felt it right away. We were actually at a bar for the couple's welcome, welcome activity. And we were in the elevator and he looked at me and he said, like, I don't, I don't feel that well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those weird things where you just, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, something's not right. This is not the right time to, for things not to be right. <laughs> right and, when we left. Uh, so then Mikkel, I went back to the room and, and then Mikkel, did her 
Columbo and found me some. some Yeah. So he laid down and then I went to guest services and, you know, common problem. And they told me to take two packets. And if I remember, maybe there's like two pills in each one. And Dan's 6'2", tall guy, thin, but 6'2". And we had we had spoken to somebody that was like the assistant cruise director. She was a sweetheart. And she like told a story of giving her mother one. So she said something that made me think I had to give Dan two pills. I'm not blaming her, but our conversation was like, so I gave Dan two pills, which apparently was one pill too many. <laughs> and he went from being like nauseous to like right, drunk. like asleep. So he yeah. went, exactly. Yeah. So he went like in between being dizzy and nauseous and sleepy. And then when he woke up, he was like groggy because he felt yeah. like he was getting over being sick because I drugged him. <laughs> Other than that, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> like a hangover, like, the only thing that's going to make it better is time. But we didn't have the luxury of time on a three-day cruise. Right. <laughs> so he felt better pretty much when we got back to Castaway or to <laughs> <laughs> So I won't be doing that again. And the next time we go on a big ship, we're going to be going to get a prescription or with instructions on it, or we're going to buy Dramamine <laughs> ahead of time. All right. My last question for Rapid Fire is bucket list cruise. I think I want to go with the Mediterranean. Nice. What about you, Dan? Maybe Alaska? Alaska. I always like a fire and ice. Yeah. Alaska, Hawaii. I host a Tuesday night clubhouse for cruise lovers called Cruise Lovers Cruise Chat. Dan's the introvert and I'm the extrovert. (laughs) So (laughs) Dan's usually in the room, but I'm the one talking. (laughs) And we've talked about Alaska so much recently and we've written about Alaska. So Alaska is like very much at the forefront of our minds. So yeah, maybe we'll head over to Seattle in your neck of the woods and and go up to Alaska. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And we're going to wrap up the show and say thank you very much to Mikkel and Dan for being on and chatting with us about their cruise experience and about Mikkel's experience as a photographer on Disney Cruise Line and hearing about their background. And Mikkel, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you guys? Sure. Our blogs are sometimeshome.com and sometimessailing.com. Two S's. And then my wedding photography is mikkelpage.com. It's M-I-K-K-E-L-P-A-I-G-E.com. And if you search Disney Cruise Line, a bunch of good stuff will come up. Resources and thoughts on bringing your own photographer versus using shutters. Some cool galleries of Disney Cruise photos and all that good stuff. Yeah, awesome. And again, thanks for being on. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was really fabulous having Mikhail and Dan on this evening. It was great to get a behind the scenes look at being a wedding photographer on Disney Cruise Line and also just loved hearing about their experiences sailing on board Disney Cruise Line. If, if you have not checked out their blogs, Sometimes Sailing and Sometimes Home, 
They are fantastic resources. We love reading through their articles and following their travels. So we actually hope we will meet up with Mikhail and Dan at some point soon on a Disney cruise or another cruise. So I do have another five-star review that I want to read on the air this week. It comes from APD12344, who writes, love exclamation point. This podcast is informational and fun. It's great for anyone to listen to, whether you're a Disney lover or planning a Disney trip cruise or not. Thanks for all of the great guests. Well, thank you for the wonderful review. The guests are the core of this show. You don't want to hear us drone on and on week to week. So we love having great guests on like Mikhail and Dan and the others we've had on the show. So thank you so much for the review. And thanks to each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please do remember to subscribe to our podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also remember to head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us those five-star reviews. We love reading them on the air and hearing the feedback from you, our listeners. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at DCL Duo. You can also join the DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group if you'd like to join a conversation with some like-minded DCL Duo fans and cruisers like yourself. Or you can head over to the DCL Duo YouTube channel at youtube.com slash DCL Duo for even more great content. You can also become a supporter of the show by visiting patreon.com slash DCL Duo or by visiting our fabulous sponsor Touring Plans Travel at touringplans.com slash travel. Just let them know the DCL Duo referred you over. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about Disney Cruise or Disney Vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.